So, yeah. So, how are you anyway? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. I um, It's daylight savings here. It's the oh, first yeah. week of that and um, I'm just adjusting to that and I've been up since I think technically what we would call 4 a.m. Uh, so I'm hoping that my energy levels stay high while I'm talking to you and if I just start getting slower and slower, <laughs> that's going to oh, happen. You'll be right. You'll be right. Yeah, no, well, before we kind of get um, rolling properly, um, one thing I sort of just wanted to say to you at the start is I just wanted to um, thank you, like in person, so so to speak, um, uh, for your friendship over the years because um, oh. I was going back through our messages, uh, our messenger, um, yeah, last night while I was just doing the last sort of few little bits and... Um, yeah, I noticed that you know over the years I've asked you your advice for like, like and everything from teenage boys to uh, to oh. relationships and um, and you know one thing I kind of I, I really like about your friendship is the fact that you don't always well very rarely you actually give specific advice but you normally just have like really nice kind words and you normally just say something like you know what you're a good person, you're doing the right thing, blah, blah, blah. And I always feel better after having, you know, talked to you on there. So, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for that. That's really, really lovely of you to say that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's strange. It's a strange sort of friendship in that I I seriously probably wouldn't even recognise you on the street because... I know, I was thinking that as well, yeah. ...of yourself up there and I'm like, but I feel like we kind of, you know, have been pretty deep pretty far, um, you know, from time sure. to time. So, yeah. yeah, no, thank you for asking me. No, I do. I really appreciate it. And, like, that's why you're one of my go-to people <laughs> for that oh. kind of thing because, like, it's not, you know, sometimes you do give specific advice, but it's normally just you always seem to have the right words. Oh, that's really, really nice. Thank you. And, so, um, yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks. Well, I was thinking as well, when I was yeah. thinking about our friendship, sorry to cut you off, uh, we yeah. do have uh, actually a lot in common, you know, because like PK's kids, right, <laughs> engaged young, which both failed, uh, went to the same school, both worked as magazine editors and writers, and occasionally we walked the black dog. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So yeah. We do, we do have a lot in common. And I was thinking back to high school, um, I think you went out with Vanessa for a while. My yeah, best friend. yeah, yeah, like that's very, right. very briefly. And yeah, I th- I th- it was just a high school hold yeah. hands on the bus kind of thing. But yeah, yeah I know. But I, I mean, I also listened to your first introductory um, little podcast last night to get a sense oh, yeah. of and. Um, and, I, you know, there were lots of things in there that I didn't know about you, um, you know, including your really rough childhood. But um, yeah. I was um, – oh, I just completely lost my tra- lost my train of thought. You were listening to the intro one last night. There was things yeah, you didn't oh, yeah, I was just thinking how I, I didn't know that, that, you know, you'd had such a rough start in life and, you mm. know, I, I guess – in in many ways assumed that your childhood had been a lot like mine but I don't think you know it sounds like it was it was a much rougher kind of family life early on 
for me. But um, you know, the assumptions we have of people in high school are just so not the real picture. So no, um, yeah, that's, that's right. And it's kind of like a fleeting thing, really. Like I was just thinking before, it's like being thirty, just over thirty years. <laughs> I know we're yeah. getting old, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, no, good times. But when I was thinking back. Um, uh, even like about Vanessa and that the other day, like, you know, just all got good memories of all you girls and sitting down and having good conversations. Like I, something about, um, cause like I always tell people, right, these days, right. There's like a, there's a middle-aged woman inside of me <laughs> trying to get out. Um, and not, not, well, <laughs> not like a, not like in that sense or, you know, yeah. trend kind of thing, but like, honestly, like I've always connected way better with girls. And females just because I am a kind of a really deep person um, and I'd like talking that's why I've really enjoyed doing the podcasting because obviously you know I like doing this and you just get way better conversations out of women there's a few guys I know who know how to talk properly but I remember even back then like I'd much rather sit with you girls <laughs> than the boys yeah. you know oh, the boys were basic and I you know I think men on the whole are just really bad at talking about their feelings or what's really going oh, on why they talk about sport and um you know banter put each other down whereas I think women go straight to the heart of things a lot more and just support each other um so yeah, yeah I'm not my partner Marcus loves the company of women too for that reason yeah yeah okay that's interesting yeah it's just I don't know they're way more like yeah these days and like yeah it's weird because I spent this whole life, my whole lifetime, like, because I tell people, right, I have this other saying, right, I say to people these days, um, there's heaps of things about me that I don't like, right? Mm. So if you don't like me as well, we actually have something in common so and we can be friends. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like a whole lifetime of just like accepting all these things that I don't really like about me, but I just kind of figured out, you know what, fuck it, it's me. It's just what it is. Yeah, well, you know, that's extraordinarily um, courageous to just to put yourself out there in any kind of way and to have a podcast where you talk about yourself and things like this and you just do it. Whether yeah. I mean, I, I think people who don't put themselves out there don't realise how much, how much guts it takes to do that. Mm. Um, but it's also oh, yeah. really liberating once you do it. You're like, well, I don't really care if anybody knows you know, that I have demons because, like, fuck, everyone does and it might help someone to know. It's funny you say that because, like, I'll tell you a funny story. Like, um, that intro thing that you listen to, it's like 15 minutes, right? The first one that I did, that actually recorded, I thought I'll just talk about each of those things that I mentioned in there just kind of briefly, right? Like, man, I stopped recording like it was an hour and a half. And I was like, fuck. And I kind of realised, like, and that was not even really going into anything into great detail. And there was a lot of stuff that I said in there that, like, to be honest, what you said about being brave, like, and, like, this this is one of the things I kind of want to ask you about is, like, I just don't, I just didn't have the balls to pull the trigger on it. And I was like, you know what, there's stuff in there I'm just really, I don't know, it's it's such a weird thing, right, because... If it's some, when it's someone else doing it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, tell, tell your story, right? And um, your first book, obviously, Fallen, um, 
which we'll, we want to, I want to talk about a little mm-hmm. bit. But one of the things, the thing that I really kind of took from your book, the main thing that I took from it was the fact that how empowering it was for you to tell your story, like as a memoir, not as some like, you know, made up story. And the fact that you owned it and I was like, mate, I mean, that's one thing I actually want to ask, ask you. Like, how did you, because look, let's be honest, right? There's a lot of graphic stuff in that book. And, <laughs> you know, I'm sure you told your dad, like, at one point, don't read it. And, yeah. man, that takes, people don't understand, like, that takes massive, massive balls to put yourself out there like that. How did you, you know, come around to being able to do all that? Yeah. Well, we maybe we should save it for the podcast. <laughs> Oh, well. Or you just want me to tell you right now. Uh, How did I do that? In stages, um, I think I've always been a very honest person or I've tried to be, but I've also found that, you know, you gain power sometimes by telling the truth when no one else will tell it. And um, I I think it also comes from my mother who is a bit like that. Sometimes she says things that are really wrong, but she just says it. Um, But I think I was able to do it in my book. I mean, look, I had so much angst about putting that out there in the world. And I did actually write it as a novel and I tried to get it published as a novel. And the publisher asked me to own it and said it would be more powerful if I did and would I rewrite it a bit so that it was actually straight memoir. And um, I sweated over that. But I also knew she was right um, that as a reader it it would hit harder uh, if it was real. and um, But I don't think I could have actually written it as a memoir. Like it, it happened in stages, my courage, I guess, is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah, by the way, I was going to say, like, we are kind of rolling. This is how I like to do the podcast, just like you know. a casual <laughs> casual conversation rather than anything too formal. I find that's how you find the best stuff. But anyway, um, but, yeah, back to that. So, my, I mean, honestly, when I – the first time I read it, like, so it's going to say, what, 2015? Is that right? 16, I think. 15 was when it was yeah. published. So it's yeah. a while ago. And, look, honestly, it – it blew my socks off. It was like, and look, it's a, such a spun-out experience, right, because two things. A, I get to read a book you wrote, somebody I went to school with, and, like, we're both writers, so, you know, the appreciation of someone else's work. And, look, honestly, it was a piece of art. And and, 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 and it was such a surreal experience because having, knowing, you know, half the people in there and, hey, I was there and all that kind of stuff and, it was, yeah, it just blew my socks off, like, how empowering it was. And, it, look, honestly, it, it had a big impact on my life from that point of view because I, I realised from that point, and I, honestly, this podcast was inspired by that. It was one of the things that kept sticking out because initially, right, I sort of thought, you know, I had this little voice telling me, you should podcast, you should podcast, this is your calling, like, you know, you talk too much, basically. So <laughs> you know what I mean. And then it was always in the back of my mind. I was like, uh, I don't know. Two things. I don't want to be seen to be getting on the bandwagon because that's what everyone else is doing. And the other thing was like, you know, I just don't know if I really want people like knowing like a lot of this stuff about me. You know. And then after reading your book, honestly, it was one of the things that really made me kind of realize, you know, what you just 
it's way more empowering if you just own it. And the other thing is you didn't write, I don't think, I didn't feel like you wrote the book that you wanted readers to read, like you wrote the book that you wanted to write. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I mean, look, it's hard. Writing is such a mystical, magical process and you don't really know what you're doing until you're in it. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's so true. I mean, like it's good to have a plan and I have to tell you that this, this manuscript that ended up being the book was, you know, in my, I wrote it when I was 34 and then, as a draft and then um, didn't look at it for a few years when I didn't get anywhere with that and then I rewrote it and then so it had been through so many drafts by the time it actually, you know, ended up at a publisher's. Um, So I think you refine things. But, yeah, I wrote the story that that felt like it worked and also what was true and also the journey of the character. Um, I say the character as in yeah. me, um, <laughs> from from sort of innocence to knowing and, you know, that sort of Garden of Eden thing where, you know, you pick that fruit yeah. and then you know and, like, you can't go back and would you even want to go back because, like, life is about eating the fruit really. Like, 100%. you know. <laughs> so, Do you feel like, because I feel like, honestly, and knowing, reading the book and then knowing you as a friend as well, obviously I kind of almost feel like you gave up a piece of yourself mentally for that book. Oh, that's an interesting observation. Um, I mean, you do invest in your work. It is a part of you. It is a part of your heart. But I don't think you lose something by doing it. Uh, well, yeah. you know what, what you I mean. When I mean say give up, I mean like it takes so much of you, you know, like that you sort of like for a while you mentally kind of suffer. Oh, you do. Uh, Well, I do as a creative person when I'm trying to make something and you have to go into battle with your own insecurities about whether you're any good because, you know, quite frankly, the first draft Mm. of anything is a bit shit and you have to like... You have to go through that in order to make something good. And then you have to go through rejection from other people who say it's not good enough or it's not the market won't want to read this um, or whatever. So, it, yeah, and giving up a part, like all that time because it's time you could have spent earning money and there's no money in writing mm. books in Australia in, in general unless you're a celebrity um you know, sports person yeah. writing your autobiography, but th- you're doing it for love. And, um, yeah, like the my next book that is coming out at the end of next year has taken me, you know, pretty much since 2016 to, to get to this point. Um, and that's been just something that has been sitting in my brain kind of marinating mm-hmm. and, and all those hours that I took a year off paid work to try and finish the thing and yeah. so you don't want to really calculate how much in lost earnings it's cost you yeah, but yeah but look, like like yeah. you said like really what you're you're an artist really that's what you're doing you're making art well thank you yeah I think I think it, um uh, that's 
Calling yourself an artist is, a, is something anyone can do if they take what they make seriously. So, you yeah. know, you're an artist too with um, doing your podcasts or, um, you know, whatever yeah. creative stuff you do. Yeah. But yeah, writing's a bit of a different beast, but and like I actually wanted to pick your brain a little bit about that when you just going back when you said it's a whole magical thing, right? So I'm curious to know your process because you obviously because when I write, I tend to just like I go over it and over it and over it and over it, and I tend to like it doesn't look anything like what it looks like at the start or the end, but I get there in the end. A lot of people, a lot of writers are able to like kind of just throw that down um uh, are you sort of one of those or are you like a go over it and the other question i wanted to ask is with that as well is like you know how do you kind of get in the zone because i find like when when your best work comes it's actually a really um <clears throat> i'm not sure how to describe it's a really interesting place i'll say that <laughs> what do you think about that um well how do i First of all, I think most writers, if they're making art, will go over and over and over it. Whereas if you're doing yeah. something more like journalism, where you just got to get the story down and out and you've got two hours to do it, you can't afford to be like that. But, you know, if you're writing a piece, a story or a piece of creative memoir, I think the more editing you do, the better it gets. Yeah. Um, in general, so I think that's a really good sign that that you're going over and over it. Um, I think it is a mystical process in terms of something happens that's sort of beyond our conscious knowing once we submit to doing the thing and you get into flow and I have some little rituals that I like to, that I've developed over the years that help me um, get into that space. So I like to do morning pages. Have you heard of them? Uh, I think I have actually. Yeah, explain yeah, that part for the well, listeners. Yeah, it's the the artist's way, which is a like a really best selling book on you know how to be an artist and how to overcome the things that yeah. block us by Julia Cameron, and she, I think it came out in the was it the early 90s, maybe late 80s. But one of her tools for recovering our creativity is called the morning pages. And it's a it's a discipline which is just filling three, you know, fool's cap pages of writing yeah. just freehand in the, every single morning. You just do yeah, it, you yeah. just dump, brain dump. Yeah. And it it's kind of like exercise for the yeah. For the brain, it gets everything that's sort of sitting in there out onto the page, and it's it's a therapy. You're not; it's not for anyone to read. Um, it, you can read it back yourself if you want, or you can burn it. But it's it's more about just getting the <laughs> head moving across the page. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. I've had periods where I've done it. Like I don't do it all the time, but yeah, especially when I, I was working paid writing, I was doing it a lot more, and I used to mainly do short stories and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's an interesting technique, but it's like anything where you said practice. You know, I think that's really what it is. It's just practice. Yeah, but I think also the the discipline of doing it, it's like a, a meditation or a yoga thing. It's oh, like yeah, you're submitting yeah. you're yeah. submitting to a higher power. You're saying, I don't whether this is good or not is not mm. the point. I'm just doing the thing that I have committed to doing. And I think 
by doing that, you are sort of um, letting your subconscious know that it's it's okay to just um, yeah be free. Yeah, excellent point. Yeah, I didn't really yeah. ever consider that. It's the discipline of it. Do you think? Do you find sometimes, but it's a bit of a love hate relationship writing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. um, yes. Some people really need to write all the time and want to have a book coming out every year. And I'm not one of those people because I, it costs a lot in in terms of emotional energy. And I don't know if yeah. I want to spend my whole life sitting at my desk. Yeah. Like yeah. there are other things I'd like to do. And, um, yeah. Do you, ever, what about like, you? do you ever go away? Yeah, well, I find if I really wanted to do something like that, and the other thing is, look, I've started, I couldn't even tell you how many books, right, but they just never make it. I start and I get like a bit of the way in and then I either think it's no good or I just lose interest. I do, And, look, I'm getting better at management these days but one of the worst things i've done in the past is like unfinished projects like i'm awesome at starting stuff and look it's kind of funny too right because these days i have a totally different philosophy right like you know i had my whole heart attack midlife crisis thing and you know when i wish everyone could have a near-death experience because you'll sort your shit out real quick you know and you'll realize like what's important and what's not um so, yeah, those kinds of things don't really, I don't know, it's interesting, it doesn't bother me as much. Like these days I kind of just embrace it. But, yeah, it's a it's a weird space sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you've got to find a project that feels like it can sustain your interest over the long haul. Um, so, yeah. yeah I, that's I a good think, point. I, I think because... The subject matter for your book was so close to your heart. That's why you were able to do that probably. Yeah, but remember I did put it in a drawer and didn't look at it for years, so I did get yeah. to that. That's probably what made it good, but eh? <laughs> I reckon. What do you think? The fact that you did kind of just do it in its own time. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's something that really helped me get it to the end Um was that I became part of a writer's group um, oh, okay. and yeah. with three or, yeah, around three other writers who were my friends and they were also editors who worked on other people's books and were also writing their own creative projects and we would meet once a month or once a fortnight or whatever and we would all present a piece of work to the others and edit and comment on it and oh, by bringing them I brought the manuscript out at that point and I got their support and feedback and having that deadline of knowing I had to show something every fortnight and that yeah. I had people reading it and saying, yeah, this is really good or this character doesn't really make sense or whatever, um, that helped me get my confidence. So yeah. I think creative communities are really important for me knowing that I have you know, even if it's just a small gang of people who understand what you're doing and are there to, like, appreciate and critique it intelligently, whereas working in isolation can just be so lonely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for any yeah. writer, and it's, find it's yourself a, a writer's <laughs> Yeah, that's a good tip. That's a really good tip. Yeah, because, I, I mean, I've tried to sort of more explore the other way, like, um, and I wanted to ask you if you've ever tried that, like, when I've tried to like write stuff, if I've got specific things and I know it's coming up or whatever and I want it to be good, I'll try and go away. 
like you just yeah literally go somewhere quiet for like a few days and just try and get deep into isolation because i find that's kind of where my better stuff comes from i would love to do that i i did that a little bit um with my um latest uh manuscript i managed to get away for four days um but i don't know being a a mother and a partner and all of that with domestic stuff it's really hard for me to get away on my own yeah you've got to like move to tasmania (laughs) well i was gonna say this is why a lot of writers move to tasmania yeah, I'd still have to walk the dog, though, and cook everyone's dinner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. That's the other thing we got is uh, Kelpies. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, my God. Uh, your aren't they photos. fun? You know I was there for every single one of those photos yeah. and those that you posted. I was just like, yeah, oh. Yeah, I saw them. Oh, it was, cra- it was a pretty crazy experience, to be honest. Like, your house just gets, like, it's so weird. It just gets bombed with love overnight and because and it was weird because some of them like I didn't really feel particularly attached to and other ones like I, I cried when they left <laughs> it's yeah. a soul connection with some animals thing. yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, so anyway going back to writing because obviously I did before we move on to a few other bits I did obviously want because that book is obviously about um you know uh relationships and polyamorous relationships and sort of how you got into that i don't really want to go over all that because i'll tell the uh, listeners if they want to know how that'll happen go buy the book um but one thing i do want to know because obviously between now and then you've done a lot of press like obviously over the years um what's what's the worst questions people ask you about all that polyamorous relationships the worst questions. Um, well, something that I find really, it's not really a question. It's some men, particularly, yeah, some men assume that because I have written about my sex life and I have oh. two partners that I am open to having sex with anyone. You know, really, so it's kind of like a bit of a oh, you're obviously fair game. That's disappointing. But yeah, I think most men are a bit more evolved than that. But yeah, um, I would like to other, think so. <laughs> I think yeah. oh, you're always going to get a few. I'm kind of a bit disappointed. I was not surprised in some ways that you would say that, but yeah, most men look. Most of I have many male friends and many colleagues and. I'm very out and open about it at work, so I mm. most people aren't sleazy these days. That I have, you know, but well, they're people the other, that obviously haven't read your book properly. Like they obviously don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, is there anything that, else about it that's annoying? Yeah. Yeah, when people say, "What about the children?" It's like it's all very well to what? you know have um, have more than one relationship or have a non-traditional sex life, but what about the poor children? What does it do to them? <laughs> really? And, They're probably yeah, pretty conservative people, probably. No, I don't think so. I think it's – and, look, I understand it because I think if even if you think back 10, 15 years ago before, you know, it was so normal to have gay families, 
yeah, we were true. all very like, so what does that do to a kid to be brought up like that in the in a yeah. way that we're not familiar with? It's just no one a, really knew. Yeah, and so the, I mean, sometimes I feel like my poor child um, is being any problem he might have in life might be evaluated as being because his mother was like that or whereas no any kid's gonna have issues and any kid's gonna um i I don't know there there are loving poly families and there are really dysfunctional poly families just like it's just like any monogamous relationship spectrum (laughs) well if anything i reckon you give mount an argument like he's got one extra person there so to me, that's like two. probably yeah, oh, we two people. So yeah, sorry. So really, it's like a good thing. It's like the more objective views you get growing up, the better off you generally end up being, and the more well-rounded. So yeah, I wouldn't listen. Wouldn't listen to anyone like saying that. But yeah, I thought that 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 was interesting. Is there anything? Because you know, over the years, right, I have had a few people ask me about you and like, oh, you know, what she really. I'm just like, man, they're just like normal people, really. <laughs> You know, I have to explain it to them, just say, like, there's nothing different about them at all, really. They're just, like, normal people. Okay, that's interesting. (laughs) Well, you know, I suppose we're different in the sense that um, uh, we have had to be quite open about the fact that we are sexual creatures, (laughs) which I think when you're in a monogamous relationship for 25 years, people just assume you know that that just all happens behind a closed door but once you've got mm. two partners everyone's like so are you still having sex with you know yeah. david or um do you what about the children or are you or do all four of you end up in bed together which by mm. the way we don't um and yeah just I, I think people are just curious and i think it's okay for people to be curious as long as it's okay for them to be able to hear oh that's none of your business or God, that's a funny question. Would you ask that of a monogamous person? Um, Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm very open. Yeah, and it's super brave. Like the whole thing talking about, it made me realise, like I said before about your book, that's how you kind of fix, not fix it, but that's how you beat the misconceptions is by talking about it. You know, it's educating people saying, oh, hey, this is what it's actually really like. It's not really what you think, blah, 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 you know. Yeah, I I think in our culture and probably in almost every culture, we have so much shame around um, sex and... Especially Aussies. Oh, we're bad. We're bad we at are. it. Yeah, yeah, we're really bad at it. Like even yeah. a normal heterosexual romance is kind of rare in our cinema, for instance, mm. like... Mm. We're much better at talking about men who are mates or, you know, who go to war together or die for each other. That's much. That's more of the kind of romance that we're comfortable with in this country, whereas yes. that passionate romantic stuff that the French or, the you know, some of the European cultures have, it's not really been, yeah, it's not our Why culture. do you think that is? Do you think it's just because where we come from? Or? Uh, I think... You know, because we, at least in white Australia, we, the Irish and the British, they're like that too. So yeah. very, that whole mateship stuff comes from there. Um, Isn't that funny how much it still affects us, like where we come from? Because I would like to think we've evolved past that, you know, but 
as a society, I mean, there's a lot of us, but there's a lot that I haven't. Yeah. It's weird, yeah. eh? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're just pretty bad at talking about emotions in our culture. Yeah. We're afraid of them. We we're very, um, you know, it's it's easier for someone to talk about to cry for a man to cry in public because his football team lost yes. the grand final than it is to cry because you know his partner, you know, has left him or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah, no, it's true. It's weird. I feel I feel like we're kind of getting better at it, but slowly. Like even just this, you know, like conversations. This is kind of how we do it. I think yeah. How, you know, and like I think podcasting is like, man, it's been it's had a massive impact on my life just because you know uh, I spend most of my days by myself, so I consume an insane amount of podcasts but you know the knowledge that's going in my brain and I also listen to a lot of audio books as well you know and I still read a lot of books and yeah the amount of inform- access of information that I have is just like insane you know and I'm listening to all the smartest people in the world so I think just even doing this is part partly how we how we fix all those misconceptions yeah so yeah and look I mate honestly what you did like seriously People just don't understand. Like, it was super brave. Like, uh, I really commend you for, you know, being so open and talking about it all. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that I worried about was what will my parents think and oh, what yeah. will the people that I went to church and school with um, <laughs> think. Yeah. But on the whole, I mean, yeah, my parents were not thrilled and, they weren't thrilled when I told them I was in a polyamorous relationship and they did say, what about the children, of course. Really? But yeah. Oh, that's natural, yeah. Yeah, they've accepted me and they've accepted, you know, my other partner and, you know, David's other partner. They're all part of the family and even though they don't agree with it, with it as a sort of, you know, lifestyle choice, they also accept that we are all yeah. Yeah. happy and healthy. Yeah. And I think they're real Christians, my parents. And on the whole, I haven't really had anyone call me a slut or, you know, anyone really do anything very um, mean or angry. I think I've been pretty lucky. Maybe I just wasn't a big enough target for anyone to reach out. (laughs) Look, I think honestly the way, look, the the way you constructed that book it, honestly it was beautiful like and people you know I, I, I don't want to blow smoke too much but yeah I, you know just um I really did appreciate the work that went into it and also yeah the you know sort of what you put of yourself into it um and you're pretty you seem to when you do anything you sort of work hard and you, you seem to sort of uh be pretty busy especially like uh well actually one thing I wanted to ask you about so you you have a PhD in uh, in film, is that that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, so it's that's like the ho- how long? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, that's I okay. cut you off there. Um, so you know, that's like how many people in Australia have got those? I was wondering. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but um, I it's, I don't know, but it's I not. Don't... Me, I'm guessing. No. Yeah, and more people are getting them these days than used to. But um, yeah, it's okay. a big achievement to get a postgraduate um, or to, to do a PhD and it kind of doesn't matter what subject it's in. I think it's a 
it's a, a serious, yes. That's a serious <laughs> amount of work. Did you tell me a bit, a little bit about that? Did you just wake up one day, or is it something that kind of like you know over time you thought you know this is what I want to do? How did you come come to do that? Yeah, PhD in film. Uh, I've got to be honest with you. I think. Um, you know, I was always quite good at school in, in certain subjects, writing and, um, you know, interested in philosophy and literature and that kind of thing. And so when I went to uni and I studied um, and I did well in certain subjects, it felt like I just wanted to keep going further and further. And okay. I've also got to be really honest with you that I didn't quite know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so studying was an easy way to postpone that decision and <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> many, many of us did that yeah some still and, doing it <laughs> yeah I think I think um formal study is a way of hiding sometimes from the oh, real world sure. and it's okay to hide and it's also you know worthy in and of itself to want to go deep into well, a subject it's hard, to, it's hard to know like I reckon it takes a long time before you kind of you got to live a bit of life before you figure out what you want to be. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't regret that time that I spent just researching this very small part of knowledge. Um, you know, like it took me seven years, Ira. Um, yeah, I know. It it's like, like, that's what I mean. It's like, <laughs> it's a 10-year project. Yeah, and... At the end of it, what have I got? I've, I've got this body of, of knowledge about Australian cinema in the 1990s and how globalisation affected it. Um, I do have a really good working knowledge of Australian cinema and the sort of, you know, our history of national identity and the way that's played into our film yes. industry, that kind of thing. And that has served me as a, as a screen journalist. But also I, I look back and I've still got a hex debt, you know, like I've never really yeah, earned very yeah, okay. and, yeah. um, But what I you're saw... doing too, you guess, and like um, see what I see, it's interesting because that's why I asked you what you see because what I see is like you're preserving like an important part of our culture and even though it's just knowledge, you're saying, oh, it's knowledge, it has served you in journalistic work like you said and you've done a bit of work off it. But I just see as like, you know, you're even just through your knowledge and your sharing that with other people and you know, everything that you create as a content creator, really that's what you're doing. You're preserving that for future generations because if you didn't study it, like, then what if no one did? We can't We can't do that. <laughs> yeah, well, it would be even better if my thesis had been published as a book and then everybody could, you know, read it and it would really be out there. As it is, it exists in a library and um, people can access it online if they want to read it. But, look, I... I don't know. I don't know. It was just one of those things that I did and I thought I might like to be an academic, you know. I thought, oh, yeah. maybe I can be a lecturer and that's a pretty good life if you can make it that way. But then I saw what was happening in Australian higher education and just how difficult and competitive and, oh, how hard you have to work. And yeah. for about five people to read what you write and I thought I want to write Stuff that more people than that are going to read and you know relate to. So, okay, interesting. So that's what sort of turned you more towards books and that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. 
that's interesting uh and like if you another thing just on writing so if you i mean obviously not asking if you were to go back but if you you know if there are people young writers listening if there's someone you know what would you recommend as a path um way to sort of you know doing what you're doing and yeah in a way i guess i am asking you if you were to go back you know is there anything you'd change about that pathway or would you still do the same kind of stuff and just you know grind it out like you have really (laughs) um it's interesting you talk about how courageous i've been with you know writing that book fallen and um sticking to it i suppose but if I was giving advice to a young writer, I would say get used to being rejected as early as possible and mm. toughen up and yeah. do the work and put yourself out there and don't spend seven years writing something and never showing it to anyone. Um, you know, put little, get used to it. You're going to have to because I think I've spent a lot of my life avoiding rejection and I think the more you're able to sit with those difficult emotions of of um, having someone not want what you've got to give, the, the braver and better you can be. And every single time I've um, learnt that lesson, I, I've grown stronger from it. So, yeah, I think I was, I was a bit gutless. <laughs> mm, that's interesting. So you think you purposely... Like, yeah, I guess it's a natural choice. We avoid conflict. It's what we do. Yeah, and we avoid but, rejection. But Yeah, well, I've quoted it on here a few times, but um, my listeners are probably getting sick of it. But one of my favourite quotes from Marcus Aurelius um, is, the obstacle is the way. Yes, that's great. Love and a good like... Marcus Aurelius quote. Yeah, you said before you like a bit of philosophy, eh? Yeah, yeah, I do. Who's, 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 have you got any particular favourite philosophers or? Well. Just philosophy in general? Yeah, like, um, oh, well, I do like the Stoics, but I think sometimes the Stoics can be a bit like joyless. Um, I, I like a bit more hedonism with my Stoicism. Um, I like the good things in life and yeah. I think pleasure, uh, that, you know, I like Buddhism and Eastern mysticism mm. and, you know, no, no suff- avoiding desire and avoiding um, mm. fear and all of that. But at the same time, I think desire is life and it's okay to be hungry for life and it's okay to want things and it's treading that fine line between accepting what is and being very sort of almost a kind of detachment while also throwing yourself in you know and fully immersing yourself in the flow of it it's kind of a bit paradoxical probably wow (laughs) that was awesome quote (laughs) that was awesome you summed it up perfectly yeah it's so true uh i'm kind of really similar because like people ask me i what religion are you know these days i say i'm no particular religion but if anything I, I kind of subscribe to buddhism in its basic philosophy of you know just forget about tomorrow forget about yesterday just you know be kind to all things enjoy today kind of thing but there's something about yeah what you i like what you said there that was a, that was amazing <laughs> you're so eloquent <laughs> oh thank you i don't know about that like i i'm thinking oh, i should have some philosophers to 
um, to name drop to you because Man, you know my. David I'm going to go read. back and write down what you said. <laughs> <laughs> and like, well, actually, when, you know who came to mind? One of my favorite, probably my favorite, and he fits everything you just said. Um, is Alan Watts? Have you, oh, you know tell him? me, he, I don't know him. He's so he's a bit. If you look him up, um, you have to go down that rabbit hole. But um, yeah, he's a really interesting guy. So he was sort of more active in the fifties and sixties, bit of a like, almost like a bit of a hippie in some ways. Um, but he had that. He's I found he's got a philosophy that kind of suits my personality the best, and it's all those things that you just said and. You know, basically, uh, you know, he's got some really good videos. Like, um, there's one about you know happiness. What is happiness? And he's got some lectures on. If you go on YouTube, there's some stuff on there. It's pretty heavy going. Like uh, most people, you'll you'll be probably be all right, but most people would probably struggle with it. But then they have shorter, like highlight videos. And there's one, you know, where he talks about like what what you know, if if money was no object, like what would you do? And mm. and and I feel that you know I was going to say that to you back when you're saying like there's no money in books right well you know i tell people that you know when i had my midlife crisis one of the other things i say is like i broke up with money right because i just realized like it's just nothing and like that's a lie but it's true because you still got to pay the bills and you got to be able to go on holidays you know and, pay, and do all that so you still got to have a bit of money in this world but what i means is i don't let it rule my decisions you know and i basically just kind of like broke up with it and i just and it was interesting because once you start taking notice of like how it used to affect you you realize and and then you start i think that's when you start becoming happy because then you start doing what you want and and you know obviously for you like that's writing books and i think like our, you know i tell people don't worry about the money just do do what you want and that's kind of yeah if you look up alan was you'll you'll like that i reckon he's a yeah but he's you know he's about enjoying life too like he's about you know live life and there's no real kind of secret to it all just like have the best day you can kind of thing yeah and i'm i'm writing him down alan watts yeah, okay my favorite um, yeah i mean the other thing is i think there's so many paradoxes to all this stuff everything's true all at once you know on the one yes. hand live for the moment but at the on the other hand try and like plant a tree for future generations to enjoy the shade of it's like mm. you know um be kind but also be kind to yourself and i think especially us brought up in the christian t- tradition i don't know about um men but especially women we're taught to put other people before ourselves all the time as though that's like that's what jesus would have done and um there's something lovely about that but i think most women need to learn how to put themselves first a bit more in order to actually become full human beings yes you're the only (laughs) person that has to be you yes that's what i tell people about that (laughs) don't not not that it's like don't worry about anybody else but yeah I think you're right. You do. And it took me a long time before I, yeah, it's amazing how long it takes, eh? Like I would say deep into my 30s before I even started kind of realising that. It's like, oh, I just do all this other stuff really for other people. And even the way I act, like I modify my speech, you know, based around like other people. And then it's like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to talk how I want. (laughs) 
Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is that by pleasing yourself and, and doing what you want, if you're a good person, it's actually good for everybody else too. It's yes. not like being a selfish asshole. It's no. it's like, no, you know what, I I actually need some time to rest and I need some solitude and that's actually good for my family because they will get a better person at the end of it, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yes, and yeah. I think like people like you and me too, we do tend to have to be careful that we don't overthink all this too much because that is exactly <laughs> what we do right? and you know it, right? So yeah. we've got to be a bit aware of that too, I think, that just like don't overthink it, just like yeah, keep it simple, stay happy, all those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh well, moving on. Um, I wanted to ask you about yeah. So your second book, that's uh, so when uh, double happiness. So when is that uh, actually going to hit shelves? Is that have you got a date yet or not really? We haven't got an actual date. What we are saying is late twenty twenty four. So okay, yeah. definitely yeah, next year we'll definitely be out before Christmas. Um, oh, and nice. I'll keep you posted. It'll be, um, well, man, time passes quickly. I'm really looking forward to it, obviously. And look, any all your fans and anyone who follows you will be uh, getting it the day it comes out, I'm sure. Well, thank you. I don't know if I actually have any fans, but, um, oh, you know, if, if, if there'll be a few hundred people who might read it and I'll be happy with that, you know, yeah. it's... It's such a small market in Australia, and I would um, I would love to find a bigger readership for it, um, but it is going to be quite different from my first book. So you may be like, "Yeah, this yeah, isn't well, as good as the first one," because it's a you novel. It's yeah, a novel. of course, and like, but I'm excited for that because I was kind of like, "Well, I saw what you did with the other one; that was amazing." Now I kind of I'm excited to see you do something else. You know what I mean? Well, thank you. Yeah, it was a big challenge for me to write not in the first person you know so my first book was mm-hmm. yeah. just like I I I and it was yes. just this rolling inside one person's head and this is kind of third person but we sort of switch between three perspectives so a woman and two men um, did, and did you enjoy that mixing it up I did yeah, yeah. I really did it um, probably just, gives you scope to do other things as well eh? yeah and you can um, you can comment on each other's uh, on the different characters from different perspectives, and ah, um, yes. change. You know the way you deal with time. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed that process, and it was good for me. It was good for me to to flex those muscles of imagination instead of memory, yeah. um, which I think with memoir you you're still creating and imagining but it's it's sort of an act of memory whereas this yeah everything has some of yourself in it obviously and this this is you know not too far away from my own story in terms of um you know the birth of my polyamorous family but um it's characters who were not me and not my partners um yeah so yeah that's yeah, and that's what that's what I find will make it interesting yeah I'm really looking forward to it Oh, thank you. Thank you. What are you writing at the moment? Um, These days I'm not really doing like too much in terms of like paid work, Um, but it's like because I took a break, I you know, and I was doing stuff for the fishing industry for the best part of 10 years and um, I wasn't, I was a bit weird. I can know how to describe it because it's completely different but um, the same, if that makes sense. And it's, um, 
it's a creative process. There's a lot of other things that go with it, but like you got to con- you're constantly traveling and and like you know it sounds cool um, getting paid to like travel all over Australia, but you know it's not all it's cracked up to be in terms of like it's a lot harder work than people think um and it's you know having to perform like in a small window all these kinds of things and there was a lot of other things taken away from it so what i most of my writing that i do these days is just what i call like stuff you know you were talking before about mornings so i do like little short stories and it's mainly just to practice and i've it's been weird because like i've started book like six times (laughs) since I was like probably about 12, 13. Um, and it's weird because like I never really, what you said before is ringing in my ears about, the, you know, finding something that, you know, it's you're interested in enough to sustain that. And, and I kind of feel like there's a book in there somewhere, right? Um, but, you know, it's always just been like kind of like made up stuff. And then it's been interesting because literally, again, after I read, you know, Fallen, I kind of like the un. All I can say is the universe like spoke to me and said like you got to write a book um, mm. because there's parts of my life which weren't that long, but they were very entertaining. I'll say that, <laughs> and mm. I had a whole period there where, you know, it is kind of like book like film stuff, but it's such a weird thing because um, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> you're just going to say like do it, but. Um, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, it's different when it's me, like, you know, I do as I say, not as I do kind of thing, because I don't know, there's a lot of stuff. And look, the thing is a lot of that stuff actually. So the time I was, um, let's say, you know, in the underbelly of Perth, it was, Mm. it was all just kind of stuff that happened to me. It wasn't really me, if that makes sense. And that's actually why I got out. Cause I just got to a point where I realized like, this is not me. Um, uh, but and I and it's, and but you know they are, I did I did do you know certain things and uh, you know not really proud of it and then I'm like oh, I don't really want people to know that about me you know but then I realised like I said after reading your book I realised like oh it's like way more empowering <laughs> if you if you just own it so yeah I don't know I kind of feel like there's one in there somewhere but I'm always putting it off if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, which part of the process do you enjoy the most? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Start. There's something, yeah, I don't know. That's a very good question. I've never even thought about that before. Because writing, as you know, it's this whole like you hate it but you love it. Um, mm. it's it's draining it's mentally exhausting especially good work i found um you know what you, oh, that's that's the best question that's been asked on this podcast today probably um yeah i'm not really sure i mean i i really enjoy the actual like you i know it sounds silly but when you just get like a page down good and it flows good and it really you know the words actually kind of dip into your soul and they really describe exactly what you're feeling. I think, to me, that's possibly the most satisfying part, especially when somebody else notices it and yeah. they come back to you and they say, hey, man, that piece I read on that, that was amazing. I felt like I was there. Probably that. That's the most satisfying part, I think. Yeah. And that that can be a story or a piece of journalism or it could even be a Facebook post. 
Yeah, and true. you know, sometimes you write something and you'll just pour your heart out, and then on on Facebook, and then you you get the most massive response because there are mm. all these people who are thinking, "Oh, I was feeling like that too, but I didn't know I could say it." Or, yes. um, you know, well, you know, just... you know, another form of that these days is uh, Instagram post or podcast, even. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I love Instagram. I I haven't really gone on to TikTok very much. Um, I just there's too many there's too many platforms and um, yeah, I don't have TikTok. But actually, speaking of Instagram posts, I um yeah. I saw an interesting one of yours last night. Oh, the one I did yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yesterday. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because it's Mental Health Month, um, October. Mm. And I've been thinking, oh, I haven't put very much on Instagram lately. I might, I like to have a month-long challenge where I just pop something up every day. It keeps me sort of creative. It keeps me connecting to some, yep. uh, I don't know, audience, even if it's like 10 people. And I thought, oh, it's Mental Health Month. Um, I've got stuff to say about that. And then I was just <laughs> I thought it was trying very interesting. <laughs> There's a lot in there. <laughs> Um, you know what Tell I'm talking what? about? Well, um, there's a, there was a lot there. Well, A, you talking about you drinking too much. I thought that was uh, showing some vulnerability there because yeah. same thing, not a lot of people would put that out there. Also, the fact that you kind of like doing the content creating, but the fact that you tend to withdraw a little bit, um, yeah. you described it as shy. But, yeah, I was thought that was quite interesting that you were able to even just like, yeah, put all that kind of stuff out there. Because there's a little bit to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, as far as my drinking goes, I want to say I'm not an alcoholic, um, which, you know, is fine if, like, but, my mum will be watching that and she'll be thinking, oh, Rochelle's got a problem. Yeah, I knew what, what you I mean. What I mean but, is yeah. I kind of have a couple of drinks most nights of the week and I think it's too much, especially when you look at the cancer risks and Mm. Um, just also the way it affects my sleep and then if I don't sleep, my mental health suffers and blah, blah. But so, do you use it as a bit of a prop up for your mental health? Yeah. Is that why you have a couple? Yeah. I, it's anxiety um, and relaxation. Mm. Like the other night I went out to dinner and there were small children there and I find um, <laughs> small children really challenging. There was a lot of screaming and yeah. yelling and I suddenly was like, I wasn't going to drink tonight, but now I just have to. Um, And look, I had two glasses of white wine. It's not a huge deal, but then I still feel not so great the next day. So, And I feel like, well, it's not really, I want to be able to have a drink when I really want one um, to to celebrate or because it's fun, but I don't want to be using it that way. Yeah. Um, Just trying to be a bit more mindful with, you know, what I put into my body because I've got to be honest with myself. I'm not looking after certain aspects of my health in the way I would like to. Yeah. Yeah. I find all that very, very interesting. So do you mind me asking a little bit, like, about your anxiety? Is there any, like, do you do anything else? Like, do you take meds or do you, like, meditate? Like, do you do anything or is it just kind of like it is what it is? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, anxiety is something that I didn't really have a huge lot of experience with or I didn't sort of call it anxiety until about the last maybe seven or eight years 
And a lot of women, when they go into perimenopause and menopause, experience anxiety for the first time. Yes. And it's it's really quite scary. Mm, Um, Interesting. A feeling of just not being okay and nothing's really wrong but nothing's really right either. Have you ever had panic attacks? Yeah. Um, I did have some panic attacks when I was in my um, early 20s. Um, have Have you? Yeah. Um, the reason I'm asking is because, yeah, I got anxiety as well. And like, so when I first had panic attacks, it was like way back in like about uh, probably late 80s, really. And the thing about them is when I first had them, I'd never even heard that word. Like I'd never yeah. heard anyone talk about it. I didn't even know what they were. I knew nothing about it. And I just thought like the first one I had was in a supermarket. And oh. I remember just thinking like this is what it's like to go crazy. Like I'm, yeah. I must be like, because like what you said about nothing's wrong, but everything's wrong, and just like this overwhelming sense of just, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like the worst feeling you've ever felt, as you know. And like, yeah, but I'd never even heard anybody really talk about it or anything. I didn't even know what they were, and it's literally taken me thirty years to kind of like, you know, get my head around them and get good at managing them. But yeah, I. I do take a few meds, uh, some legal, some illegal, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. which actually I'm happy to suggest to you because what I found, see, back in the day, the reason I was interested about the alcohol is because, you know, I started off doing that and then I just found the same thing. I was like, this is no good for me, you know, rah, rah. And then uh, one day yeah, I was just like with a bunch of mountain bikers eating pizza and they were like passing a joint around. So I was like, have a toke on this. So mm-hmm. I smoked some weed and like, man, all I can say is like it was unbelievable like it was like I tell people right it's my Dexy so it's actually yeah. how I stay normal right yeah um and look it's not for, there's a few things I'll say about weed right it's not for everybody right definitely 100% and like you should approach with caution kind of thing and really what it is is it's like it's not like sitting around smoking bongs all day getting smashed really it's kind of like microdosing. um mm. but I went through this whole like mental quandary Rochelle where it, like it fucked me up for ages right because of my upbringing I was just like it invert I was like this is wrong it's illegal blah 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 um but all I knew was like it made me feel better and like my anxiety went away my depression went away you know kind of thing and I was just like so and then but then it was funny because I started talking to you know uh when I had my first therapist uh I told her about it and she just laughed she just said oh look you know she was 30 years ahead of her time and she basically said you know weed's not the drug people think it is and one day the world will catch up you know I remember her saying (laughs) saying, like one day we'll be treating mental health with this even even I looked at her and thought oh she's fucking crazy like it will never happen and like we look where we are now you know and look it's not for everyone but I found like man it's just it's really relaxing um, and I don't know how to describe it other than say it's just like it keeps me and it's funny because actually it helps me concentrate. The other thing is it helps with the creative process. Like if you're doing anything creative, painting, writing, anything like, well, look where all the best music comes from. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like you know, a lot of that's probably cocaine, but I'm not uh, saying take that. But yeah, there's certain, and then don't know if you've been following like what's happening with mushrooms. Um in Australia but like have you seen the series on Netflix um how to change your mind no I must say that I heard 
write it down for sure. Yeah, okay. You've got to watch it because for people like you and me, right, it's, I think what happened is, and look, they explain it all in there way better than I ever could, but, you know, this is actually what humans have done to look after themselves for thousands of years, right? It's literally been taken away from us in the 50s and 60s because people want to control, you know, people's health and make money from it. And I think now there's like an awakening happening and people are realising like, oh, this is not what it's think you think. And here's a funny thing, right? The first time I watched How to Change Mind, they're talking about like, you know, basically single dose and here's a really interesting thing. They get a whole heap of people like us, right, that have never got mental health issues but never done anything really. They mm. single dose five grams of uh, psilocybin and then they put them in a hospital setting and, you know, it's all supervised and that. 80% of these people are coming out of there saying it's the single most deepest religious experience of their life, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's a, they cut to a shot of the outside of the hospital and guess what it says on the side? What? Seventh-day Adventist Hospital. Really? Yeah. It's, yeah, oh, the Sevs in America. Sevs in America. They're getting into it all. Well, well you know, you've got they to say lead this. They the world. The SEVs are pretty good with their health care. Oh, mate, the best <laughs> in the world. I will say the best in the world. And, like, I went down this whole, like, rabbit hole online of looking up, like, SEV hospitals in America. I was sure, oh, mate, it will blow your mind. Like, there's, like, 200 or 250, like, SEV hospitals in America. And some of them have, like, university campuses and then yeah. a town of, like, 20,000 people and they're all SEVs. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Let's go anyway, there. Not back, yeah. Back to mushrooms. <laughs> you should um because quite like a mushroom on well, occasion. Um, no, I was so gonna say. I'm, happy to, I'm happy to be open about that. I quite like a bit of an LSD trip on occasion. I was gonna say, um, have you ever tried? What did you think? Oh, I I enjoy it very much in the in the right setting and at the right time and with the right people and yeah 100 percent. i found the setting makes a huge difference yeah um i think a lot of these drugs uh, you know they're obviously drugs you just never want to touch the ones you have to inject and um oh, you know sure. yeah. any of those well that's what i always liked about weed too because back in the day with pills it was like you, know, you never know like what's in it whereas mm. weed you can look at it you know what it is same with mushrooms too you know and you know, I well, think the, hip, can, the hippies were on mushroom. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> well, these you days, know from. you could micro. Um, well, yeah, I either. Yeah, I won't go into actually how I get yeah. mine, but anyway. <laughs> um, uh, same, can, same, what same. I was going to say is the microdosing for the anxiety. Have you explored that? Because okay. that's like a um, real thing. Maybe I should. I I did try microdosing with um LSD, and I just found it made me really tired. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, LSD's um, a bit different. Yeah, um, maybe try that. Yeah, the other thing oh. is, yeah, I think the other thing is you've got to kind of find what's right for you. You've got to try a few different things, I reckon. And, you know, because some people obviously no kind of medication is the way to go. But, yeah, I just found for me, like, uh, yeah, the weed was just, yeah, it was really good. It just sort of brings me back down to... I tell people that's how I stay normal <laughs> and it sounds weird because yeah. they're like, aren't you high? And I'm like, well, yeah. But the other thing is like, man, honestly, like most of the time when I'm high, I engage with people they don't even know. 
Mm. They can't even tell, really. So it's not like I'm walking around like, you know, but I just find, especially for my anxiety, because like, and it's weird, like, you know, like I'm a strong man. Like I was never going to get anything, Rochelle. You know what I mean? Mm. I was going to be tough. I was going to be, and then when you get something like this, you know, and then you get a heart issue as well. And it's like, you realize mm. like, oh, you know, you got to, yeah, you got to sort your shit out. So, and look, we've got rules too. Like I don't ever smoke and drive. Um, I give myself tolerance breaks, you know, all those kinds of things. I make sure that I stay on top of it, that it, it doesn't own me. So yeah, there's ways of managing it, but I found for my anxiety, it, it makes a, it makes a big difference. And um, mm, it's such a weird thing. It's so, it's a horrible thing to suffer from. It is. And I, but I do think it's, it can be a messenger that tell is telling you something's not quite right in oh, your life sure. and, so, and so for me um my anxiety has t- told me where i needed to stop doing things that weren't really serving me like certain yes. kinds of work or certain kinds of relating to other people or um you know i have to look after myself pretty pretty well and be very gentle and not take on too much because like it's it's about accepting your limitations, especially as you get older and realizing you can't do everything and have everything all at once. And yeah. you're gonna need to just get to sleep, put yourself to bed like a like a toddler yes. who's getting a bit out of control. So if you had something to eat, if you had enough sleep, let's just take a break, have some yeah. time out. Um, I think yeah. one of that one of what you're saying there, just the ability to be objective about yourself, that's a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah, and that's like a a lot of um, self work that you have to do to be, um, yeah, to grow like that, I guess. And do you have uh, do you have any other ways that you kind of manage it, or um, do you, have you ever experimented meditation? Yeah, I do. I meditate um, with a little app that I use um it's a little podcast called first this then that it's a 10 minute sort of um app uh that I use but sometimes just sit in front of a window with with my eyes shut and my legs crossed and just set a timer for 10 minutes and yeah I find that can really help clear the brain exercise is really good so they say that you know exercise is as good as being on a low dose antidepressant oh yeah for sure. And so, I find like, for me, it's mountain biking. Like if I'm getting really bad, I just go flog myself in the forest for a couple of hours and it's like impossible to come back in a bad mood. Yeah, that's good. And being in nature, like just trees. Yes. I think we need to be around trees, even if it's just lying in a park oh, on a rug looking at the sky. That's part of the reason why we moved back up the hill because we, we, we actually just live outside the college gates now. It's kind of surreal because yeah. like I still hear the dinner bell every day. <laughs> and what it's like world though honestly yeah. sure. it's so trippy to like stand out the back and hear the dinner bell especially because i was a boarder for like so yeah. many years but part of the reason why we came back up here was because like i just can't live like in like we're in suburbia and i'd yeah. all i can say to people is like it grates against my soul and i'm not judging other people for living there it's just me right but i just don't do like that everybody packed in close together and around the time, a bit after, you know, Kai was growing up, we decided to come back up the hills um, and we first moved to the bottom of the, but like, you know, being in the bush is like therapy 
I tell people it's like there's something about it just being in nature yeah and I think you know we're all animals and we all have our natural habitat and you know I think for me my natural habitat is probably not Melbourne um well at least not Melbourne 12 months of the year because we don't usually get a very good summer and the beach is here a bit shit and Mm. the winters go on and on and on and I feel like I need to go somewhere warm and so something that I'm going to do for myself next year is to spend some of the year in a warmer place during winter because Mm, like it's not my natural habitat yeah oh it does make (laughs) a big difference yeah yeah that's hey why do you think people move to Queensland yeah, the summers are terrible up there, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're exactly right. And the thing is, like, listen, culturally, Melbourne is where it's at in this country, really, for for arts and those kinds of things. Yeah, it is. If you want to be, well, I mean, you can be creative anywhere, but I, I think if you want that critical mass of other people who are into, like, making theatre and you know visual arts and performing yes. arts and whatever I think I think Melbourne is a place where you're going to meet a lot more of those people yes. um, and find it a lot more acceptable to be doing that with your life whereas growing up in Perth I did feel an emptiness there there was kind of like it was hard to find my tribe yeah and that's a pretty common thing I hear that a bit and like I think for certain fields and certain things that you do in life you just got to go east you know it's like uh you know I came up racing carts with a guy Garth Tander and he had to move over east to to get anywhere to be something you know because over here he's just yeah you're only ever going to get so far you know Oh, there's amazing things happening in Perth, and oh, it's gotten it's, a lot better too. It is the best lifestyle. I can I go. I went back, you know, last year um, to meet my parents and go up to Ningaloo, and I, I just love. I'm yeah, caught I up. That. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, it's yeah, nice to be able to come back, catch up. up. Yeah, 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 for sure. Actually, so we'll um, we'll start wrapping up soon. But I, a couple other things I wanted to ask you about. Um, and then we'll yeah we'll wrap it up. So you are because you kind of alluded to it then, like you you are so busy and like so when I was doing my uh, you know research on you, which was uh, quite interesting, researching a friend online, um, you yeah. Because even though I you know I sort of know you, but then like what you said, yeah. there was a lot of things I realised, and you know like I'm looking at all the things that you've done. Um, and even like the, you know, Health or Hyphenates podcast, which I wanted to ask you about, the big issue you worked at, editor, Screen Hub, Arts Hub, Australian Film Institute, Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts, SBS Film, Kill Your Darlings. Like you've done, you've done a lot of different stuff. Is that kind of how you like to, you like to jump around or is there anything out of that? Like, because the other thing is like we're getting older, right, and we've got about, 15 20 years I'm kind of curious to know like a what you liked out of all that work and what you sort of see yourself doing in the next bit you know yeah well I mean I should just say that all those um places and names that you read out there were part-time gigs um or freelance gigs so you know you could say um uh, the you Australian well I have I've freelanced and yeah. you know even yeah. now I, I work three days a week at Arts Hub and then I have you know the other two days of the week to 
to do my own creative stuff or just live. Yeah. And I, I really like that. Um, it's a nice balance yeah. to be able to do a little bit of each. Yeah, but I, I kind of, I kind of do wish I had a bit more financial security. I know what you say about like breaking up with money, but I also kind of yeah. look back and think, would maybe I should have taken a bit more responsibility for that as a younger woman because I'm 51 and I have, you know, pretty much no super. And I I would like to have a bit more freedom to, to do things like mm. go on a lovely trip to Europe or whatever. So I'm just getting my head around some of those things. And so what I would like to do going forward is to to maybe build up a little bit more security and um, also to um, not not be under the pressure of of freelance deadlines at the moment. Um, I've taken on some extra work recently and it made me so unhappy to be working every goddamn, you know, hour (laughs) a day. And I thought... I don't need the money that much. I yeah. would rather have time to just rest. I need rest. Um, so, yeah, going forward, I don't know. I, I would love to get out of writing so much um, for work, maybe just do the odd book here and there and get more into the space of um, counselling and coaching, so working one-on-one with people around you know emotional stuff and yeah. goal setting and Mentorship. I think yeah I think that would be a fun next chapter for me I'm just not quite sure how to go about it yeah okay well the cool thing about that is you can do that and make good money you know or at least have some kind of financial security and um yeah I was just like so I can't believe really in so many ways how much alike we are because what you were saying there about working, I was just like ringing in my ears because I'm exactly the same. I'm like, you know, I don't really like money, but, you know, and I could have, you know, I've got no super as well. I'm not ashamed to say it. Um, I've got a little bit, but it's nothing. Um, And I kind of know, like, I'm going to be working like forever. And then that's when, you know, a couple of years ago, I was like, you know, I'm just overworking. Like, and when I say working, being on the tools, but two things about it, right? Unfortunately for me, I'm really good at it and I can make like good money fast. But then I had this whole thing, like when I go do it, like I took on a job recently and like what you just said, I fucking hated it. Yeah, <laughs> like every day, Michelle. I was like a teenager. I had to like give myself a talking to and say, "Get out of bed, you lazy fucker. Go there, do it." And I just had to battle through it the whole time. And like, you know, when I was finished, I was like glad that I did it. And look, you know, I'm not complaining about the money, but yeah, it's a, it's people like us. It's such a, it's a weird thing. And I, it's a, I'm still trying to like find the balance. And f- interestingly enough, for me, doing the seedlings at the markets has been really good because it kind of fills that gap for me. And, like, it's yeah. actually not bad money, but you couldn't live off it. But it kind yeah. of tops up, um, you know, the other stuff. And then, you know, we've got a, a half-decent balance going now. But, yeah, I tell people, like, working, like, I've just come to the conclusion, Rashad, it's got knobs on it. <laughs> like, I'm just over it. <laughs> well, who decided? Who decided that we need to work five days of the week? Oh, exactly. And kill like, like, it's hard. Well, here's the thing I figured out too, right? If you kind of get your bills down, right, and that's when I started growing all my own stuff, right, because I was like, well, okay, if I'm going to quit my job, right, how do I pay for everything? But then I realised, right, that 
if I get rid of all this other stuff that I don't need, it's like, oh, you know what? I realized I actually don't need as much money as what you think. Because I sat down yeah. and worked it out and I was like, I started growing all my stuff. And like, man, I got, you know, you know, at certain times of year, we just, our grocery shop is like once a month for like coffee and sugar and things like that. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I mean, um, if you go, actually, I just posted a video. If you go like on the Heirloom Valley Seedlings page, I just posted a video the other day, a quick walk through the garden. Um, mm-hmm. So you'll go there and say, and look, I understand not everyone's got the space or the time to be able to do it. But yeah, I was like, you can get to a point where you can be pretty self-sufficient and enough to like, and then, you, and then, cause what's happened now, I've got to the point where I don't rely on that money. Like, cause I, I used to hate the feeling of show of like, I hate, you got to go to work no matter what. Like you just yeah. don't have a choice. Right. Whereas yeah. now I'm like, you know what? I don't actually need all that money because I adjusted a few things like in the budget and yeah, and then I, I realized like, oh, actually you don't really, if you just a few things you could live without them, it's like no different really, but you don't need all that money. And then, but it's such a tricky thing to like, especially for someone in your position to find that, that balance, you know, it's such a hard thing yeah. to do. It's capitalism, Ira. It's killing us. <laughs> oh, man. And like, oh, don't start me because, like, the whole yeah. conspiracy theories. But I'm becoming like this, like, off grid hippie. Like, honestly, like, I'm becoming what? this, like, I just want, like, the smallest footprint. I just want to, like, yeah. go do my thing, just have a whole world leave me alone. And, you know, all the, yeah. you know, all the bullshit with COVID and all that. It was just like, oh, man, I'm just, I'm over it. And I think, like, you can get depressing because, I did a really good podcast with um, Lady Liberty Kate. She's a young uh, uh, aspiring politician over here um, that mm. I've followed for a long time. And, you know, we, we're the same thing. She's like, you know, we've got to be careful that we don't let all this get to us because, look, in, at the end of the day, if you're born in Australia, you won the lotto of life really. And yeah. I try to err on the side of, you know, just being, you know, grateful and, and all that kind of stuff because you can, you can let it get you down. But... But yeah, and look, you know, you, you know, I, I know you, you probably seem funny to you, but for all intents and purposes, from anybody looking, you know, we just see like a beautiful lady who's living in Melbourne, you know, doing what she wants to do, freelance and living her best life. <laughs> oh, thank you, Ira. No, I, I'm very grateful. I hope I don't sound whiny and. Um, no, not at yeah, all. I'm just I'm happy. I, people I'm like very, us have to be great. careful not to be too negative. That's all. It's true. It's true. We, I think, um, don't they say that when you, that the more intelligent you are, <laughs> the more you oh, um, tend yes. towards pessimistic and pessimists tend to be more realistic assessors of the situation. But on the other hand, you know, our thoughts create our emotions. And if we're thinking negative thoughts, we're going to be creating unhappiness. So For sure. yeah, glass half For full. Sure. That's it. Yeah. That's it. No, you summed it up. And one last question I would like to ask you. So obviously, um, you know, you've written a couple of books and you're saying you're thinking about teaching. Like one thing I've always kind of like thought that you might do, or I wondered if this is maybe actually just something that I would like to see you do, you know, it was just yeah. like maybe a manifestation in my head myself. But have you ever thought about a film, doing a film? Um. Like a like a documentary oh, or just a, anything a... like because even like you know I haven't read your new book obviously but you know even Fallen like I see like a mini series a movie like a short film I don't know what do you think 
Oh, I'd love I'd love it if um my books got optioned to be made into a series or a film. Um which, you know, I guess that's a possibility, although it didn't happen for Fallen and um Some of those uh, things take but, a long time, but before someone notices yeah, it. You know? Yeah. My partner Marcus is a filmmaker and um he does make like you know, music videos and he's made some short films and things like that. So it's not completely out of the picture. I just reckon you would make an amazing film. Well, thank you. Yeah, I reckon it just would suit your style. I don't know. Yeah, it could just be like, I wondered, I was like, it might just be what I want to see. (laughs) But, yeah, when I read it, I was like, oh, man, I just, I was like having these like images in my head, you know, of like, scenes in a movie and I was like oh yeah this would be great you know and and because it's kind of raw and gritty as well you know in a um yeah I'm not sure how to describe it because but yeah I just I think it would I think it would look amazing yeah let's find a producer who just believes in it and wants to make it and wants to you know put some money into it and it can they can shoot it in Perth and um I can come oh, over yeah. and be on set yeah, oh, yeah, that would it. be good. Well, these days, <laughs> I was going to ask you other things too um, real quick and then, uh, you know, with the Australian film industry and Netflix and that these days, are things better or not really? Like is there more oh, content? Because there seems to be more money around, but I wondered if that's actually really what's flowing through to the industry, you know? Oh, it's, it's kind of complicated, but um, there is more money and there's more being made but um, in terms of feature films, it's most of the um, mostly it's being poured into you know um, the streamers content for the streamers. Uh, yes. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's still really hard to make a feature film because people aren't really going to the cinema so much, especially for that um, small to mid range um, mm. art house where most Australian films sit. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting that there's real shortages of crew um, in certain parts of uh, you know the industry because these streamers are coming over here to shoot here because they get you know the tax offsets. The yes. American companies come over here to make stuff, and yeah, it's a complicated little um, industry, but um, an interesting one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I reckon that mid range, that kind of what you said, but that's where the best stuff is. I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. small screen. But like, like when's the last time you went to the cinema to see a film? Yeah, that's true. It's um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a bit of a weird space at the moment. That's kind of what I thought was interesting because, like, it seemed to like be the same forever, and then all of a sudden, it's now it's just different. Um, and it's not that I wouldn't go back to the movies. It's like. You know, I would go for, but I've always been like, I kind of really go for the big ones. Well, not the big ones, but the ones that I really want to see. I don't, not really just like a regular cinema guy. And like these days with Netflix, yeah. it's like there's so much stuff you can see. But I kind of feel like, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird space. And I thought I'd be interested to see your thoughts on where you thought it was heading as well. Cause I sort of, it's not, it doesn't seem to be too predictable. Yeah. We're making some really good content and still for the ABC and SBS, you know, they they still make some really great drama on the smell of an oily rag. Um, yes, for sure. So, what yeah, are you watching recently? Have uh, you been watching oh, anything particular? You know, yeah, I am loving the newsreader 
on the ABC. Oh, yes. Have yeah. you seen that? Yeah, I've seen a bit of it. I started watching it and then I've actually got onto Fisk. Have you seen that? Oh, Fisk is so hilarious. You know what? I think this is the best Australian comedy of the last 10 years. I would That's just go really out really good. It. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I kind of looked at it initially thinking, ah, it's not really my thing, but I just kept hearing like, oh, it's really good, really good. So I started and look, yeah, we've followed uh, Kitty for ages. So yeah, I've got her books and stuff. So yeah, it's really good. I'm enjoying that. But something you might enjoy if, if you haven't seen it, um, it's not Australian, is Killing It. Have you seen that? Killing it's on. Um, it. Don't think so. I think it's either on Stan or Binge. It's the it's a satire about you know being poor in America, really, and there's just so mm. much critique of um, well capitalism and being in the you know lower classes, trying to make it, trying to make it big, and um, being black in America. It's just hilarious and so sharp. I Sounds think you'd probably like. It yeah, I like good writing. Pretty much. That's tend to be what I go for, like uh, something that's well-written, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a lot of – there's just so much choice out there and so little time, right? Yeah, that's part of the problem too. And that's what I, that's actually what I love about podcasts, um, just the fact that I can put the headphones in. I can still do my stuff, but I'm still getting content, you know, just in the ears. Yeah. I listen to a lot that way. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, that's probably a good spot to wrap it up. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks again for coming on. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Me too. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for asking me and making me part of your little corner of the podcasting world. And um, I'm really, really pleased that you're doing it and, you know, getting out there, putting yourself out there and you've got a voice and a platform and... um, yeah. Yeah, thanks. That's and look, I'm I'm really enjoying it, um, to be honest. And like when I first started, like I sat down and thought about this, I made an initial list of like names of like interesting people that I really want to talk to and yours was right up there at one of the top of the few. <laughs> oh, thank you. It means a lot. Yeah. yeah, no, I've always enjoyed following your stuff and your work and like I said, I think you're pretty you're a bit hard on yourself sometimes. You're um <laughs> but that's what we tend to do. <laughs> Thanks so much for that, and yeah, we'll um we'll stay in touch. Yeah, no worries. Thank you again. Pre, really appreciate your time coming on, and yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, thanks. See ya. See ya.